When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everyone and welcome to a Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and we're going to do a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. All these questions coming from our football insider subscribers. Cleveland.com slash Browns the blue banner at the top of the page to get involved in that. Let's get right to it. Uh, got a lot of questions in. Mickey from Florida leads us off. Hey Mary Kay, couldn't playing so many divisional games early be advantageous for the Browns with a yet to be seen new offensive scheme and a revamped defense? You know, it could go either way. They could either be not 100% ready for prime time in those first four weeks of the season, or it could work to their advantage, as our wonderful uh, subscriber just mentioned about the fact that nobody really knows exactly what they're going to do, exactly what they're going to look like, how to defend it, who's going to be where. There's just not going to be that much film on them yet. But, you know, when you look over to Baltimore, too, it's going to be very similar with them as well. Who knows what Todd Munkin has in store for those guys over there? So uh, at least when you're talking about the Ravens, uh, it'll be about six of one, half a dozen of the other of both teams wondering uh, what the other team is going to offer. Uh, so it could go either way. But I think the Browns are going to have to really, for the most part, just focus on themselves for these games and make sure that they're as ready as they possibly can be and not try to get, you know, too fancy with what they're trying to do. You know, I think they need to, in the, in the early going, for the most part, stick with the basics with probably some, you know, some gadget plays thrown in. I think Deshaun Watson should, uh, you know, go for the jugular a few times and try to hit that deep ball maybe early on. Uh, but for the most part, I think that they're going to have to, to really do the things that they do well and know exactly what those things are heading in. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting question because what we always talk about in division games is how well these teams know each other. So it sometimes negates some scheme advantages. And like the Browns know the Baltimore Ravens, but like you said, their offense is going to look different this year. And the Browns, their offense is going to look different. I also wonder if it could be an advantage to get these teams early because there's no guarantee that you know, these other teams are going to necessarily come out of the gate hot. You know, the Bengals last year went 12 and four, but they started the year uh, two and three. You know, Pittsburgh last year, it took them a little while to get going. Of course, they they changed quarterbacks uh, in, in the middle of the season, but uh, they they won one. I got to do the math here. One, two, three, four. They started one and four. Um, so it's not unheard of for like the Bengals and the Steelers, even in good years, to start slow. So it's 
it is going to be really interesting to see how these division games play out. And maybe it does end up being an advantage for the Browns to, to get these games early. Yeah. I mean, we won't know until we actually see it play out, but uh, you know, like I said, I think it can go either way, uh, but it's almost going to be like preseason in those first four weeks because, you know, the Browns don't know, uh, you know, who exactly is going to be the best at, you know, that for Deshaun Watson to throw the ball to on the, on his scramble drill, who's going to be where, um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, Jim Schwartz is going to be figuring out, okay, can I have really have Denzel inside in these situations? Uh, you know, how do I want to roll the defensive linemen in and out? So, I mean, it's going, going to be the preseason almost in those first four games in part because, you know, Kevin Stefanski isn't going to really play his veterans all that much in the preseason, probably a little bit more than he did last year because he has an extra game and he knows he has to be ready early on. But still, the goal for the most part is going to be to get everybody to the starting blocks really healthy. So I don't think there's going to be uh, a whole ton of Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, just exposed to getting hit in those preseason games. So yeah, this this is really something. I think, you know, it could be a you hate to say make or break in the first four weeks of the season, but uh it's a very, very pivotal stretch. There is a, a slight advantage there too to what you were just saying. I mean, the goal is to get to the season healthy. Like somebody's gonna get hurt in camp or the preseason or something, you know, like Nick Harris last year. Something's gonna happen, but for the most part, the Browns are gonna go into those games about as healthy as they're gonna be all season. You know, for, for most teams, you're never healthier than you are week one. And the Browns are going to get Cincinnati, Pittsburgh and Baltimore in the first four weeks. And that, that's probably going to be just the nature of the NFL. The healthiest their roster will be all year, even even just from a standpoint of guys won't be as banged up. I mean, you're going to have just as an example, Joel Batonio, you know, you're going to have 100 percent Joel Batonio, not Joel Batonio with you know, hundreds of more snaps logged on his body. And, you know, these guys are so beat up by the end of the year. You're you're going to be as fresh and as healthy as, as possible for those first few division games, at least. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the seasons now anymore with how big these guys are, how fast they are, how hard they have to work, it's almost, uh, you know, just a battle of trying to see who can stay on the field with as many good players as possible by the time you get to the end. And you hate to see that. Uh, that's why I do think it would be good to expand the rosters a little bit. Um, but, you know, I mean, who knows what quarterbacks will still be standing by the end of the season when those other division games come back around uh, later on. You know, who knows which defensive linemen will still be there and which running backs and which receivers. So, yeah, that's such a key to the season is, you know, these season-ending injuries. And it seems to me like last year there were so many of them, right? I mean, I don't know if there were more or not. I'd like to see some numbers on that. It does seem like Achilles ruptures are up. It just seems like we didn't always used to hear about Achilles ruptures, and now it's such a common occurrence. So, um, so yes, it's it's really a matter of seeing who can stay as healthy as possible and, um, and you know, I, I don't know. I mean, the Browns are practicing against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they're starting out their training camp at the Greenbrier, but I don't think we're going to see, you know, tons of, of pads crunching in, in these training camp practices. 
So there's two more questions that are, are kind of branches off of this. And we'll just go to this one here because we, we all love making predictions, right? From the 253 area code. Hey, Mary Kay, if you had to make a prediction right now, what do you think the Browns record is heading into the bye in week five? And just to refresh everyone, I know we've we've sort of gone over this a, a little bit already, but just to refresh everyone on that exact schedule uh, for the Browns before the bye, they play three division games and then they play the Tennessee Titans. And uh, the order of that is you open with the Bengals at home at Pittsburgh on Monday night football, then versus the Titans and then versus the Ravens. So if you had to make a prediction right now, which I guess our texture is making you do, <laughs> what do you think their record would be heading into that bye week? It's tough to predict. It's really tough to predict because we don't know how it's all going to come together. And of course, you know, you have to be ready for the Bengals. And even though the Browns have basically dominated the Bengals over the last 10 games with an eight and two record, still a little bit hard to believe. Um, it still is Joe Burrow coming to town with his um, really great receivers. So, you know, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is two and two after those first four games. Um, you know, part of me wanted to say three and one, but that seems a bit optimistic. So I, I'm going to stick with my my first thought that came to my mind. Yeah, and Tennessee is not a pushover. Yeah, I don't know like how good they're going to be this year, but anytime you got Mike Vrabel, and we saw what he did like in a single game, we've seen what Mike Vrabel can do. And you know, just think about that Kansas City game last year. I think it was on Sunday Night Football when they almost went in there with Malik Willis and almost beat the Chiefs. They, I mean, they were in that game until the end. So you never look at a Mike Vrabel game and just say, oh, that's an easy win. There, there's no such thing. And him coming back to Ohio, like obviously he's going to be fired up for that. They're they're going to be healthy. You know, Derrick Henry's going to be healthy. So um, even, even that game, you, you might look at it and say, oh, well, at least they've got the Titans and, you know, that should be a winnable game. But I, like I said, nothing with Mike Vrabel in a sing, on a single Sunday afternoon is easy. No, not at all. He's such a good coach. And who knows, they might even have DeAndre Hopkins by then, you know, so uh, that wouldn't be easy to have to deal with that and Derrick Henry. So, and the defense is always good. So uh, yeah, you cannot go ahead and just circle that as a, a surefire victory by any stretch of the imagination. And then in the other games, really anything can happen. So, um, you know, they could, they could go four and oh, they could go three and one, they could, they could have any record possible in those first four games. What's it like during that bye week if they're one and three? Bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be bad. I don't expect that to happen. Um, If I had to pick one and three versus three and one, I would say three and one. Um, I absolutely don't expect that to happen. But these are tough games. These are going to be really, really tough games. Everybody's going to be bringing their A game. Uh, all the, of those AFC North teams are already starting the game planning for some of those games. You kind of have to start doing that right now. And, um, you know, again, it's going to be big for Todd Munkin and Odell Beckham Jr. to want to play well against the Cleveland Browns. Lamar's got so much to prove this year. Um I mean, I think the Browns have better talent than the Ravens. Uh, I really do. I think they have better talent across the board for the most part. But um, it's still it's still never easy. John Harbaugh is such a good coach, too. The Steelers are never easy. Um, yeah, it's uh, 
it's going to be a really, really interesting way to start the season. Okay, so the other question that was sort of off that thread, um, talking about the preseason and hitting the ground, kind of running there. Brian from Delaware, Ohio. Hey, Mary Cable, we see Deshaun Watson play more in the preseason games compared to what a settled quarterback like Mahomes might play. In Brian's opinion, he needs plenty of live game reps to be ready for those first four games. I did want to check something because um, Mahomes actually isn't a great example. Another example, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that hasn't played a lot in the preseason, so that would be a better example because Andy Reid actually plays Patrick Mahomes. And I went back and looked just last year um, in the first preseason game, and I don't have the playtime percentage, but Mahomes threw seven. Mahomes threw seven passes, and then he threw nineteen passes in the Chiefs' second preseason game last year. He didn't throw a pass at all. He probably didn't play against Green Bay in the third preseason game. So the Chiefs' approach is to usually play their guys in the preseason, but there are certainly other quarterbacks that don't touch a football in preseason games. Would it benefit Deshaun Watson to play more than maybe planned or expected in this preseason? You know, I kind of think so. Because they really do have to find their chemistry, their mojo between him and his pass catchers. And if it's good enough for Patrick, it could be good enough for Deshaun. They've gone to the Super Bowl three years. So, uh, you know, why not? I mean, the thing that you're be, that you're worrying about more so than anything, uh, is the injury factor, but you don't want to live in your fears like that, right? I mean, you, you want to go out and be aggressive and do what you have to do and not worry about injury too much. So, um, I do think he should play more than he did last year. Um, but you know, maybe not as much as Patrick does, but more than Kevin usually likes to play his starters. And with, with that fourth preseason game, you've got some time. And mm-hmm. if you're going against the other teams once, you're probably going to be pretty protected. You know, it's, it's when you get into like the guys down the depth chart or the second teamers who are fighting for jobs and opportunities that that's when you have to be careful. But if you're going ones V ones, usually these guys are going to take care of each other. And he's not, he he's at a position where he can protect himself. This isn't, again, this isn't like Nick Harris who got, I'm trying to remember, I think he got bull rushed and just couldn't stay upright. Like offensive line is pretty dangerous every single play, but quarterback you can get rid of the ball. You can run out of bounds. There's a lot of ways that you can protect yourself at, at the quarterback position in the preseason, at least. Yeah, and Deshaun, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, is going to have to protect himself more than he has in the past. He's got to know when to fold him and not take the sack because the most important thing for the Cleveland Browns is for him to get to the finish line healthy and to be able to be there uh, in the event that they make the playoffs to try to get them deep into that postseason. So there are times when he is going to have to get rid of the ball a little quicker than he would like to. There are times when he's going to have to slide. There are times when he's just going to have to try to make sure that whatever he has to do not to get sacked, that's what he has to do. He cannot roll up, you know, 50 sacks this year. That's just not going to fly. Okay, let's continue with some Deshaun questions. Um, I really liked this one. It comes from uh, Cujo from Perrysburg. Hey, Mary Kay. Assuming Deshaun Watson returns to form prior to his suspension, how big is this team's window to win? In the near future, they'll have to realistically face salary cap concerns like Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper. Uh, But how big is this team's window if Deshaun Watson gets even close to where he was before the trade? You know, I I think they have, you know, at least about a five-year window with a lot of the core guys on this roster. Uh, able to help 
take them where they want to go. So that's the four years remaining on Deshaun's contract, and let's say another another year or so. Uh, when I, and I'm talking mostly about this particular group of of core players, where you still hope to have Miles for that time, and you still hope to have Denzel for for most of that time, and you still ha- you know hope to have some of your best players, your offensive linemen intact for that. Um, so I, I think the window is about five years, and in those five years. Uh, really, if you're doing what you hope to do, you want to be in at least one Super Bowl in that time, preferably two. That's what this is all about. So I, th- I think the, the thing that people need to remember is, I, I mean, I feel like your windows, as as long as your quarterbacks, as long as you have a franchise quarterback, that's your window mm-hmm. when we're talking about top tier guys. So obviously the talent around the guy is going to change, but like were the Patriots ever not contenders when Tom Brady was there? There were years when they didn't have the success that, you know, they went a long time between Super Bowls and, but they were never not contenders when Tom Brady was upright and healthy. And, you know, we talk about Patrick Mahomes, the chiefs completely remade that offense, um, traded away Tyree kill and they go and win the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, yes, you need to have weapons and you need to have pieces around your quarterback to be successful. But if you have, an elite level franchise quarterback, as long as he's healthy and upright and playing well, that that's kind of your window. Everything else is sort of, I don't want to call it window dressing. That's I actually don't mean that pun, but you know, you like, you do need like a Travis Kelsey. You do need like a miles. Like you do need players like that outside of just your quarterback and you need to protect your quarterback and it, it can't just be him. But as long as you, have yourself set up financially to be able to build around him and give him the pieces he needs. That's kind of your window. So if Deshaun Watson is here and good for 10 years, I feel like your window is 10 years. Well, you're right about that. You know, and that's what we don't really know yet. I mean, we have, we don't for the purposes of this question, we're assuming uh, that he is returning to his pre 2020 form or his 2020 and previous form. But um, you know, we don't know exactly how this is going to go over the next three or four years. If, if it goes as everyone hopes it goes, then he will get extended here. I mean, they didn't do all of this so that they could let somebody else have him after that. Uh, they'll do everything in their power to hang on to him and maximize their opportunities to get to the Super Bowl. So we'll see how it plays out. But if it goes as planned, they have their man for the next decade. Yeah. And it, like, it doesn't always work out, but you know, look at Aaron Rodgers in green Bay, right? They won, was it 2009? They won their super bowl. And then they had years where they had really good teams and they just never were able to get back. But um, you know, it just, there's varying degrees of it, but that window was always open in green Bay because you had Aaron Rodgers, and maybe it never quite got back to where it was when they did go win that super bowl. But that window was open because you had him and you were able to to always build around him. That's why that's why you pay a guy $230 million. That's why Joe Burrow is going to get an insane amount of money soon. And, J- and Justin Herbert and, you know, why after all of that that went down with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, that's why you end up paying him and trying to figure it out around him. Yeah. And the, um, the thing about when Deshaun is landing here in Cleveland for this window, <laughs> excuse me, for his Super Bowl window is the fact that there is this unbelievable renaissance of quarterbacks in the, especially in the AFC going on right now. 
So <laughs> it's going to be, excuse me, really, really, really hard to get to the AFC championship game. It's going to be really hard to get to the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, that's the marching orders for him. That's what he's called to do. And that's what you do, all, why you do all of this. But you look around and it's not getting any easier. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we've got some hate Mary Kay questions uh, to get to on the other side on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot. You probably noticed Mary Kay has, has had a little bit of a cough going on here the last few days, uh, but Mary Kay, we're fighting through it. Yes, we're playing hurt, Dan. Um, yeah, I was really sick on Saturday and Sunday and kind of down for the count. But uh, so I apologize for coughing during the middle of some of my questions here, doing the best I can. It's like I'm I'm fine. And all of a sudden I start talking and then I need to cough. So I'm sorry. I'm going to get through this. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get to some more questions here. And this one comes from uh, Scott Mandel in Los Angeles. Dr. Scott Mandel in Los Angeles. I should include that, uh, I guess. So, hey, Mary Kay, the offseason is always a time for optimism. The team is always set up to obtain resounding success. Uh, you know, last summer we were talking about how good the defense was going to be and how it could maybe carry them until Deshaun Watson returned. That did not happen. Uh, this year it has been extremely optimistic as well uh, across the board. And we just talked about the Browns as potential Super Bowl, as a potential Super Bowl team. We just talked about their window with Deshaun Watson. This is definitely much like spring training in baseball. Scott points out this is optimism season uh, in football. So now he's going to throw a wet blanket on things. Hey, Mary Kay, which areas of the team do you feel are being overly hyped or are we overly optimistic about and what areas do you believe could be potential weak points once the season begins? Wow. That's a really, really good question. Uh, overhyped. I think I'm going to say receiver. Um, they do have what is shaping up to be a really good receiving core, but you know, I, we don't know if it's going to be the, the Bengals trio you know, we, we don't know yet. We have to see Elijah Moore go out there and actually put it out in a game with Deshaun Watson and see if they have that natural chemistry that we think that they're going to have. We have to see Amari now in, in a whole sort of season with Deshaun Watson and see if he's got the, the kind of skill set that matches up really well with Deshaun Watson. And that is the, you know, sort of the, the freelancing kind of, uh, skill set. And Amari is uh, the route runner. He calls himself the route runner. So, you know, and, and he's very precise in his runs. What he also has to do is be able to do all of the, you know, the, the site adjustments and the freelancing. And he can do everything. We know he can do everything. Uh, but it's just a matter of how well does he do it all with Deshaun and how do they really connect with each other? Uh, and then Donovan Peoples-Jones, we know he, I think he's ready to take another step up. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think there is a small risk of overhyping the unit. Um, I mean, really, the major thing that happened on it was trading for Elijah Moore. So it almost seems like we're putting a whole lot of eggs in that basket. And he's got potential. And it could happen. And it could end up being exactly what we think it will be. Um, but you know, maybe we should temper the enthusiasm just a slight bit with that receiving core. 
So that was the first position that jumped into my mind when I was reading this question. And like, not like neither of us are talking about it in like a bad way. It's, it's just, there's a couple areas where it's like, we just still need to see it. We're making assumptions about what could happen, but I could also see the other side of it. Like what if Elijah Moore has a season like he just had the last two years in New York and it's, you know, 500 yards and, you know, a productive season, but he's not that thousand yard receiver. People think that maybe he could be here or like, what if Amari Cooper gets hurt again? You know, what if, what if this is just sort of the moment in his career where maybe some of that durability starts to fade or what if, what if Marquise Goodwin isn't quite the guy we, we think he's going to be in this off. There's, there's just a lot of questions there that we aren't a hundred percent sure about. We're kind of writing some things down in pen saying, yeah, we think this is going to happen, but there's also scenarios where maybe they don't happen. So yeah, that that was the position I had circled. And that's why we've done, I don't know how many podcasts that have DeAndre Hopkins in the headline (laughs) that, you know, we both think there's still room for a player like that in this receiving core. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, why not, you know, bring him on and what he would have brought would be, uh, you know, the only player with that natural proven chemistry with Deshaun Watson. Deshaun has thrown 25 touchdown passes to DeAndre Hopkins. He knows where he's going to be. They finish each other's sentences on the football field. Uh, so I thought it was worth bringing him in. That's not in the cards, not going to happen. Um, but, you know, I hope for their sake, for them, that they don't get to the end of the season or even the middle of the se- season and say, geez, I wish we would have done that. The other area that I that I thought of was also just just the secondary like we we this was sort of what happened last year like we really thought the secondary was going to be incredible mm-hmm. um and it just they had a bunch of miscommunications early in the season now the defense it was really a lot of the run defense and just a lack of a pass rush that, that hurt them more than the secondary overall but again that's just an area where it's you can see how it's all going to work but we haven't seen how it's all going to work yet especially in a in a completely brand new scheme Yeah, and I do think that, once again, it will be a little bit of a work in progress and that with Jim Schwartz getting to know his players and what they do best and, you know, again, who he's going to like deep, who he's going to like up at the line of scrimmage, how the linebackers are going to play out when some of them aren't going to be able to practice much during training camp, Uh, you know, how the rotation is going to go up front, who is best next to Dalvin Tomlinson, where is Zadarius best played, how is Alex Wright doing? all of those kinds of things. I think it's going to take a little while for Jim Schwartz to figure that out. So I don't 100% know uh, that they're going to have the answers to those kinds of things. So hopefully we're not overhyping the defense again this year because I felt really bad about that last year. I was all about how good that defense was going to be, and I was just very shocked that it turned out the way that it did. We were all high on that defense. I mean, the way they finished the season for as bad as 2021 was and everything that went wrong, that defense finished so strong mm-hmm. and played so well. I mean, that Green Bay game, um, you know, the yep. second half of that game, they were so good. And there were other games in, in that second half of the season when they were just really, really good. It just seemed like, all right, they're going to pick it right up. And, you know, like, like our, like Scott said, you know, we felt like that defense was going to be what carried this team until Deshaun Watson came back and it didn't happen. And I guess that's why there's a new defensive coordinator in town and a whole bunch of new talent now too. 
Well, something as simple as Jadavian being disgruntled and not being happy with his role, uh, something like that can spill over into the rest of the defense and kind of wreck things a little bit. If, you, if you've got one of your star players on the defensive line that just isn't necessarily um, you know, flourishing the way that he wants to or the team wants him to, and he's refusing to play on anything but third down against the Ravens, I mean, that can help unravel your defense in a hurry. It sets a toxic tone. It sets a little bit of a bad tone uh, for what's going on. And then you had other guys that start to question their roles and wonder about, yeah, hey, why am I doing this, you know, instead of that? And, um, and you know, not getting the pressure up front, as you mentioned, really hurt them in the back end. And it just kind of went downhill pretty early on. And so uh, they've got a lot of rebounding to do. Okay, a few more questions here. Uh, Dan Dickey in Richmond, Virginia. Hey, Mary Kay, of the rookies on the roster, which ones do you see having a chance to be starters, either at the beginning of the season or at some point during the season? Well, I don't I don't know about starters, but let me just start with the two third rounders. Um, you know, Cedric Tillman has an opportunity to get on the field and make a contribution, in part because he has a skill set that's different than most of the other receivers on the roster. His unique trait is his size. So in the event that they need size, they're going to throw Cedric Tillman into the lineup. So he's got an opportunity to get some playing time. And then Siaki Ika, uh, you know, there's a chance there for him to step up to the plate and say, hey, Jordan, move over. You know, after Zadarius is in here, it's my turn. Uh, so he's got that chance. And we saw that uh, that Jim Schwartz really liked him a lot. He liked what he saw on tape, and he told his rookie that this is how the game is supposed to be played. So if he's seeing that in, in Siaki Ika, then I would have to think that, um, you know, that he's going to have a real opportunity there. And then, um, you know, I don't see Dewan Jones really making a huge impact unless – one of the offensive tackles goes down. I just think he's more of a developmental guy. He might play on some special teams and things like that, but I just don't see him being able to make a big impact right away. Um, throw out some other names there, Dan. Um, let's see. I mean, maybe Isaiah McGuire can earn some time. Yeah. But I, that's, that's crowded. That, yeah, that's a crowded field. Cornerback is crowded for Cam. Oh, yeah, Cameron Mitchell. I always forget. I, poor Cameron Mitchell. I always forget about Cameron Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, it's easy, too, because of all the, the good defensive backs that they have. But there could, there could be an opportunity for him if – so you'd have Denzel, Greg, Martin, um, and, and then maybe Cameron can compete a little bit with, like, the A.J. Greens and Thomas Grahams and – kind of that group he could he could maybe earn a little playing time yeah he um, could at least and then you've got luke whipler and you know at center at backup center we've talked about that a little bit how that might impact the whole nick harris thing um but certainly he's not going to be starting games unless ethan posick gets hurt so i think we're you know especially because we're not talking about a first round pick and a second round pick here uh, that for the most part, it will be Cedric and or Siaka with the best chance here. 
Okay. Uh, we got a lot of good questions. I think we're going to divide this up and do, and do some more tomorrow as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I do want to get to this one. I thought this was interesting. And I've always thought this too. And this kind of goes along with what you said earlier about, you know, maybe they should expand rosters. And when we talk about salary cap, I've always kind of wondered why why they can't come up with something like this, especially as these, these salaries balloon. Steve Frost from Petersburg, Virginia. Hey, Mary Kay, why doesn't the NFL have a split salary cap for quarterbacks and one for the rest of the team? It would mean a raise in the cap and control quarterback wage hikes. And I've thought about this as these salaries get so out of proportion for quarterbacks as compared to every other position. I mean, think about it this way. Miles Garrett, not that long ago, was the highest paid defensive end in football, and he signed a $125 million contract. Now we've got Deshaun Watson getting 230 guaranteed. Nobody has gotten that guarantee, but we're, we're seeing guys get higher yearly averages than what Watson got. I'm sure somebody, maybe it's Joe Burrow or somebody else, somebody's going to break that $230 million guarantee at some point. Um, what, what would you think if the NFL said, hey, this is your salary cap for 50 guys, and here's your salary cap for three quarterbacks? Yeah, you know, it's not a bad idea. It's really, really not a bad idea at all. I mean, these salaries are so exorbitant. They dictate whatever else you can do. And we've seen that Deshaun Watson has already had to have his contract restructured a couple of times to lower that base salary and to enable the Cleveland Browns to sign other players. And they're probably going to have to continue to do it. Um, even if they want, you know, if they wanted to sign DeAndre Hopkins, they might have to move a little bit more money around for that. Although I think they would have enough money to do that if they really wanted to. And they don't. But, um, but yeah, I mean, each year you're going to have to revisit and reevaluate that quarterback salary and continue to work around it. And it's just, it's not easy. And it's, it's kind of like a shell game and you've got to really figure out how to, how to manage it. Fortunately for the Browns, they have some of the most brilliant capologists in the NFL on their staff, and they're really, really good at knowing how to move the money around and to manage their cap. I mean, it's one of the things that they do best. So, um, so yeah, I, I would be all for that. I'm all for anything that, that helps advance the game and make things better for teams. And it sounds like this is an interesting premise. There we go. We just solved it. We need to, we need to get, uh, what's, what, who's that question from? That was from, uh, Bob, I think. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to find it again here, but whoever that question was from, we'll, we'll find it and I'll, uh, we'll recommend you to JC Treader to go work for the NFLPA. Uh, so there we go. Like I said, we got a lot of other questions, uh, submitted to us from our texters. Uh, that was, uh, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info on that and get signed up to become a texter, uh, Get our newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. Get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. There's also some other things you can subscribe to that don't cost you anything. This podcast, for example, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and our YouTube channel if you search cleveland.com slash Browns on YouTube. Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. Uh, you will find us on YouTube and you can get subscribed there as well. And uh, as I was reading that, it was not Bob that sent that. It was Scott Frost. So sorry, Scott, I gave Bob credit for your, your text, Bob, we're going to get to your question tomorrow. I have that one highlighted. So uh, if we didn't get to your question today, check us out tomorrow on the orange and Brown talk podcast. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.